0: Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Welcome into the Monday edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle. So happy to be back in the chair, joined by Sean Shapiro. And uh, so I'm in Vegas and I pull up the old podcast and Mr. Shapiro and Luds chirping me a little bit and saying how great the podcast was today how are you sean
2: i'm good i'm good we missed you though loves was obviously uh i'll say this while well, he's not on here he was definitely the leader in the effort of uh dragging you through the mud so but uh, we missed you so i'll, I'll say that i'll i will lead off that way to get the mea Copa out of the way and then let him be the bad guy on wednesday
1: Nah, that's right that's right i do appreciate you guys uh doing it it was a great podcast i really enjoyed the uh, insight that you guys and the conversation that you had so it was uh, it was really good, and uh, for those listening for the first and first time, we are Spits and Suds, and Sean Shapiro joins us every Monday and Friday. Craig Ludwig, two time Stanley Cup winner, one with the Stars, joins us every Wednesday. So if you like the podcast, spread the word to Stars fans and NHL fans that there is a podcast here in Dallas Fort Worth for you, where it's we just talk hockey. So let's get into the Stars on Friday night. Uh, and uh, also on Saturday Winnipeg and Colorado to Central Division rivals and uh okay picture
0: this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road with available H-track all wheel drive and three row seating my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe
1: You know, I got to say, Sean, this is going to happen throughout the season, and it's a long season. But uh, kind of seeing a different Stars team as of late on the ice with just some, a few tendencies, the penalties are still there. Uh, a couple things I'm seeing, uh, and I wanted to get your thoughts. Uh, one was, uh, you know, the Winnipeg game. I, I thought Winnipeg was the better team on the ice. I, I, I thought they deserved the two points. I thought it was a great comeback um by the stars, so we'll get into the controversy um and what's going to happen with that Saturday night. I just felt as though um the stars you know were 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 kind of beat and uh, I had some worries about before, prior to the season about uh the defensive strength as far as you know winning in the corners and getting it out of your zone, and I felt as though the stars struggled with that and kind of seemed especially on the back end, a little discombobulated. Uh, So a tough game on Saturday nights against Colorado. But we also want to throw in the positives. So Jason Robertson continues his tear, and it's weird to say Jason Robertson in the same sentence as a Connor McDavid, but the numbers are the numbers, and this is special right now. And I don't know if we think of this as special, but, I mean, it is absolutely amazing the year he's having so far.
2: Yeah, the whole uh, Robertson thing. It's kind of it's 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 kind of that space where I think if for us um, we've seen him. Like I, I don't think we're having as much of the wow moment that a lot of uh, outside NHL media have. You've seen a lot of people who been like, "Wow, where this Jason Robertson could come from? What about this kid? This kid?" And I think it's just kind of it's it's been one of those um, facts of life where he was kind of hidden by uh by being in Dallas, he didn't have that he wasn't doing this in an original six market, and he didn't have the year he had last year in a bigger quote unquote hockey market. so it's surprising some other people. Um, but I think for us, it's not as much surprising that he's doing it. I think it's kind of the consistency is what's really been surprising to me. Kind of sometimes when you're a younger player, you score even when you 40 goal scorer like robertson was last year all of a sudden the league starts to learn you right you and ludson actually talked about this last week like there's this time when you learn the league and the league learns you and that's when you have to adjust and robertson even though the, the book is out on jason robertson he continues to rewrite the book and redefine it and that's the thing that impresses me the most the fact that we keep seeing that we keep finding him ways to make an impact in other ways and score in various ways and that's just the mark of like a true goal scorer for me it's it's so impressive to see him adapting to a league that now knows they have to circle number twenty-one on their whiteboard every single night, and they're not stopping him. Still, that—that that to me is the part that surprises me the most. Not—not not as much as in the oh wow, here's this Jason Robertson kid. It's look at what he's doing every night, even though every other one, every person in the world knows that the puck's going to him at the key moments.
1: Yeah, he was a great player in juniors and uh, really excelled uh, in Texas and then came up, was sent down, similar to Jake Ottinger. But when he came back, I felt as though for both Ottinger and Robertson, I felt as though the bubble uh, took them to another level. And I just felt as though being around the team, seeing what the team could do on a day-in and day-out basis, how they reacted, how they worked, I just felt that was a good learning tool for the younger players. Is, Is that... Because from what I heard, Jason Robertson came back more determined after that. Is that what you heard as well?
2: Yeah, uh, he was not as much so much he came back more determined, but I always heard Robertson and Ottinger, but uh, I feel like the Robertson bubble impact was more so of he saw that firsthand of what it takes to go that deep. And obviously it was kind of a, it's not a, a normal run there'll never be another run like that but you lived day in day out with joe pavelski jamie ben tyler sagan like even though you were part of the taxi squad or not even the taxi squad the bubble squad right at that point just being a part of that every single day and seeing what it took it was just like kind of like a crash collision course and everything and it definitely happened with Ottinger. um it's kind of funny it's like you mentioned this right now and I have a story coming out later this week in D Magazine on Anton Hudobin, actually, who's down in Texas. But one of the things I spoke to Jim Nill about this past weekend was Anton Hudobin's impact on Jake Ottinger from that bubble time where we saw Jake was the backup in the bubble and Hudobin was the starter. But Jake, the stars see the fingerprints of that time in the bubble all the time on Jake. And you see it on Robertson as well. Um, To me, the big thing about Robertson is I think he – went from that bubble time and realized his game and his approach worked and he didn't have to change what he was to be in the NHL and I think that's something that a lot of young players sometimes go through where they try to change their game too much or they try to think they try to do something else to get to the NHL and Robertson realized he is such an elite scorer he can do that to be in the NHL and he learned that from the bubble he learned that from practicing every day with the stars then and, and we're seeing it pay off now he didn't let his game get broken, for lack of a better word, by trying to do something to be someone he wasn't. And that all started in the bubble and has continued to grow.
1: You know, I think back to Brett Hull, and I mean, we're talking about one of the all-time greats in Hull, but the reason I bring up Brett Hull was obviously an amazing one-timer in the accuracy in his shot, and the accuracy of Robertson's shot. And I'm not comparing the two, but what I am comparing was, you know, if you talk to people that skated with Brett Hall. He wasn't the fastest skater on the ice, but he always found the puck and he had puck smarts and he knew where to be. And that's why I compare a Robertson to a Brett Hall. Is that a fair comparison stats aside? Because, I mean, you look at Connor McDavid, yes, yes. he's flying around the ice. And, you know, you look at Sidney Crosby and the amazing stick work that he does yes. and the, and the face off draws and everything. And then you say about Jason Robertson, you're like, yeah, good player. You know, uh, gets yeah. in front of the net and stuff. So it's 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 interesting. But I love those guys that don't necessarily have that elite talent that you can see with the eye. Yet the stats don't
2: lie. A hundred percent. And it's it is uh, it's the little I've mentioned this before. But one of the things about Robertson, he's like the forward version of the way. Uh, nick lidstrom controlled games and nick lidstrom in my view is one of the is is the greatest one of the greatest not the greatest defenseman of all time and the way nick lidstrom controlled the games was you looked at him like he was the perfect human where and the thing about perfection is sometimes when things are perfect you don't notice them and they just blend into the background and they make things simple and they make everything just slow down for them and that's what jason robertson at his best is at the forward he plays a perfect game he plays a game where there's nothing flashy. There's nothing exciting. There's nothing overly energetic. There's no wasted motions. Even, even, even if you want to pick at the skating, it's still perfect in where it gets him from place to place. And the fact that Robertson is able to do that and just kind of be that guy that's there, and there and there and there. And then the minute you forget that he's there is the minute the pucks in the back of your net. Like that is, that's, that's a thing that it's, as a coach, you tell your guys to plan for you, plan for you, plan for it. You plan for it but eventually you just kind of forget that he's there and they put the pocket. It's, it's, it's impressive to watch. And then when he wants to take over a game and he needs to have kind of that moment of flash with, whether it's the big shot or, or picking a corner, he can do that. And it doesn't require all that energy. It's kind of that zero to 60 switch that you don't even realize he's hitting it until it's too late.
1: You know, I'm fascinated too, because he had great stats in the OHL and, you know, we've seen what Wyatt Johnston has done and hockey to me is very similar to baseball in that these kids are so young, whereas your normal NFL draft pick coming out has three to four years experience at an elite level. So you can kind of see the quality, but you know, that's why I tell people and correct me if I'm wrong, it's. I like seeing as much as I love the OHL or Western Hockey League or these these Quebec Major Juniors. I like there's just so much open ice in those junior leagues. I like to see when the ice shrinks at, you know, at the AHL level.
2: Yeah, and I would like to see, I mean, to me each level below the uh you start at the NHL and the NHL from a the nhl is the best players in the world but it's also the most structured league in the world where that's it's it's the most difficult place to get your shot off it's the most difficult place to find the space it's why we've seen guys um who have tremendous shots in the ahl guys who are point per game players in the ahl who can't succeed in the nhl because they can't find the space with the structure that's been built by both teams and so each level you go down, the structure devolves a bit, right? So, like, the NHL is the most structured league in the world, then the AHL is, and then the ECHL just goes down and down from there, right? And so it's one thing to be able to do this and be that offensive prowess when things are sloppy and mistakes are made for you. It's another thing when all of a sudden you aren't getting mistakes made for you and you have to force the other team to make them. And that's, that's one of the big things, and that's why I love – watching guys in the AHL to see what they can become in the NHL and we saw Robertson have success in the AHL and I also think that's why it's I always I always write this and I have no issue saying it the biggest and most difficult jump isn't the AHL to the NHL it's from junior to pro no matter mm-hmm. what level what you even if it's the ECHL or the AHL that's the biggest and most difficult jump a guy will make in their career until you see how a guy handles that jump I think you can't really say much about what they're going to be as a pro player. It's, it's a lot. There's, I've seen so many junior players where you're like, Oh, this guy's going to be great. And then they never make it. And then I've seen guys who I'm like, I don't really know, but then he makes the jump successfully from junior to pro. And you're like, okay, that to me is the biggest jump of guys to make in his career. And you're spot on Gavin, like show me what a guy does at pro first before I get too wrapped up in what he does ed jr obviously you can only play who's in front of you but at the end of the day you got to do it in the smaller space you got to do it in the tighter space and a guy like robertson in particular because that's who we're obviously talking quite a bit about today you got to be able to develop and build your shot when the tight when the space gets smaller otherwise you just become a guy with a hard shot who never gets it off
1: you're listening to spits and suds i'm gavin spittle 105.3 the fan joined by sean shapiro associate editor of ep Rinkside and publisher of shap shots Wanted to get into the Friday night decision late in the game where Jamie Ben was pushed by Morrissey into Hellebuck and it caused a late goal because Hellebuck was down on the ice without a helmet and the stars got a fortunate point. Kudos to them for fighting back. I thought, you know, I'll take that point. Um, but Watching Hockey Night in Canada, Elliot Friedman on Saturday night, uh, and Jeff Merrick was also pointing out, this absolutely will um, not necessarily be a full rule change, because if you read the rule, the call on the ice was correct. Mm -hmm. But what those guys feel talking to general managers is that there will be a push for a more immediate whistle. And I think that is a good idea. I mean, by the letter of the law, stars, absolutely. But you cannot allow a goalie to be down on the ice. And I don't think Hellebuck was selling it. Um, that was a pretty hard hit that he took. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, a, a scrum in front of the net. And uh, obviously, Ben was pushed in, so it wasn't intentional. There was no way to to, to control that. But, uh You know, I wanted to get your thoughts, and if you think that there will be change in the NHL based on Friday night.
2: Yeah, for me, there's two elements. There's two important elements to this play to me. I think a, I think it should not have been a goal. I think it's something where that's a play that is a dangerous play. Um, The it should have been blown dead. And the other thing that I want to point out, because I know a lot of Stars fans brought this up on Twitter, they remember the uh, goal Dallas set up in the playoffs against St. Louis where Ben Bishop was down mm-hmm. and the Blues scored. And I say this as someone who has played the position, and I think the Bishop goal against Dallas and St. Louis should have counted, and I don't think this goal should have. And the key one for me is the mask. There's, there's a difference. If a goalie is laying on the ice and he is selling it, he is not taking his mask off. I'm just going to tell you that right now. As much as people think about how this position was originally born out of crazy people who didn't wear masks and had stitches in their faces and everything like that, if the helmet is off, the play needs to be blown dead. That is 100% what I uh, I believe. Um, the fact that Hellebuck didn't have his helmet helmet on, that's why the play needs to be If he's laying on the ice and you want to make it a judgment call and he's wearing it and his mask is still on, I'm okay with the goal counting. But We're talking about the head. We're talking about a piece of vulcanized rubber that kill a man. That, to me, needs to be blown dead right away when the mask comes off. I completely
1: agree with you. Um, I think the rule says differently, unfortunately. Yes. And that's, I mean, I would personally like to see a rule change. However, the way they were talking, it doesn't appear as though there will, but there will be more emphasis on blowing the whistle because there was time to blow the whistle.
2: There was hundred percent. And that's why it's a hundred percent too. And the other thing, it also wasn't Hellebuyck selling it. If you look back at that, play, yeah. it's him, it's for him protecting his head. Sure. Like yeah. Like, like he, he's put his arms around his head to protect his head from that. I mean, you want someone to be, it's, it, it, it should have been, it should have been blown dead. I mean, the fact of the matter is the NHL now has a rule that if you lose your helmet during play, you have to go back to the bench right away for a player. And, you, and they just put in a new rule that uh, any player who entered the NHL after the 2019-20 season can no longer take uh, warm-ups without a helmet. Yeah, The fact that you're making those rules, come on. You gotta make it. You gotta make it. If the goalie loses helmet, the play's dead no matter what. It's yeah. you gotta do that. It's yeah. it's common sense.
1: And you know it's interesting because there are teams like Carolina and Winnipeg that aren't in the biggest markets, and when they come around, you're like, Wow, that Sebastian Aho's pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and every time yeah. I see Connor Halabak, I'm like, that guy's elite. I mean, he, he he truly is a special goalie. Which brings me to Wedgewood and Ottinger. Did we get too used to low goals against guys where you know there are going to be days where three and four definitely get let up it just seems like since Ottinger has come back from the injury maybe it's going to take time it just doesn't seem as though he's been as sharp
2: yeah I mean it's I think Jake is a very good number one NHL goalie potentially has the chance to be one of the best in the world but You got to develop consistency to do that. And Jake's coming off injury. And as much as I think Scott Wedgwood is a good, I think Scott Wedgwood is actually the perfect backup, but he's not the perfect backup for this point in Jake Ottinger's career. And what I mean by that is Scott Wedgwood is the perfect backup when the other guy is consistently ready to play 60 to 65. When it's a
1: Vasilevsky or something like that. Exactly. Exactly.
2: Exactly. I think. And so Dallas doesn't have the, what Anton Hudobin was, before, before he kind of trailed off in his career. Anton Hudobin was the perfect, the old the Anton Hudobin that Ben Bishop had would have been the perfect backup for Jake Ottinger. The guy who is going to push and play 30 to 35 nights a year and is going to potentially try to steal the net from you with his play. Scott Wedgwood is never going to steal the net from him. Jake Ottinger knows it's his net. And so it becomes a point of internal pride and internal game. He needs, in my view, Wedgwood, doesn't, he's not the level of backup that you need that's going to push Ottinger to be better. Ottinger has to push himself to be better. And I'm not saying Jake can't do that, but we're seeing kind of a stretch where this is the side effect of it, where you're going to, it's not like someone else is going to come in there and take the net from him. You're seeing kind of the side effect of not having that true one A to really take the net from him and really force him to be the guy. He has to figure it out himself. And that's just a decision Dallas decided to go with, with Wedgwood. And, I don't blame them for that decision. It's just kind of something you have to live with right now. And I think they're going to kind of figure it out going forward. Um, Personally, you don't want to see this many goals against, you don't want to see how it goes, but I think you are hopeful and praying right now as a Dallas fan that Ottinger uses this experience to be, this is how I'm a pro every night. This is how I find my consistency. This is how I get out of a bit of this divot. And maybe when we talk two weeks from now we're like okay hey it worked yeah maybe you're like you know what maybe maybe they needed a different backup i think it's just kind of it's one of the risks jim nill had to take with how he built this roster you had to have a wedgewood type backup and that's just a reality
0: he's
1: sean shapiro it's gavin spittle and we're on to st louis tonight so uh and you know another big division rival these things you know count st louis is going to be in the Um, running for a top three position and uh, have played better as of late, uh, but we're struggling out of the gates. And, uh, you know, I'm interested to see. This is the first matchup against uh, the Stars this year. So, uh, uh, you know, I'm interested to see because coming off of Colorado, and my point is this, Sean, I think the Stars, in my estimation, struggle against what I call the heavier teams, the guys that press against the boards, work the corners, you know, not your uh fast teams, but I mean I know Colorado's a mixture, but I mean, you know, Colorado is extremely physical on Saturday night. And I expect the same from St. Louis tonight.
2: Yeah, it's it's kind of and it's an interesting thing where Dallas is at that spot where they were uh Dallas is at that spot where the old Lindy Ruff era stars really struggled against these teams and actually led to the full kind of rebrand of Dallas stars hockey to the mm-hmm. Hitchcock Rick bonus style of hockey. And now they kind of pendulum swung back to a little bit, being more of that fast up and down team under Pete DeBoer. And now they're kind of at that spot of figuring out the next step of that pendulum to be to the, the next step of the pendulum of how can you be this team and not struggle against the heavy teams? And how can you do so where you don't overcorrect to become a full blown heavy team yourself? It's just, a, it's a very, um, these games against St. Louis, how Colorado played them, the game against Winnipeg, to me are going to be very defining for Pete DeBoer hockey yep. and how he builds his teams. Of are they able to are they able to find that happy medium where they can win against these tough type teams and not get overly sold on getting away from their style at the same time. So another the Winnipeg in particular for me. Winnipeg and St. Louis particularly are two teams that are going to force Dallas to figure that out. And then I think a lesson you can take from Colorado is obviously they won the cup last year, but Colorado has found that happy medium of how do you win as a fast team? How do you win against heavy teams? How do you become heavy yourself? So look at what Colorado's done. Look at that, that mentality. And that to me becomes a huge space where Dallas wants to replicate and obviously eventually overtake Colorado within this division.
1: Well, he's Sean Shapiro. I'm Gavin Spittle. That background noise you hear, getting some uh, replacement treads. No, not new skates for the uh, former goaltender, <laughs> but uh, getting some new tires. So we appreciate yes, exactly. you uh, taking a little break from that, and uh, or maybe this was a pleasant break. <laughs> def-
2: def- def- definitely a pleasant break because there's could have just been a- – walking around or scrolling on Twitter or whatever. And so this is a much more pleasant break, so I will gladly take it.
1: Well, look forward to uh, talking to you on uh, Friday. Uh, Look forward to it and hopefully a big week for the Dallas Stars. Thanks, Sean.
2: Awesome. Thanks, man. I appreciate
1: it. You've been listening to Spits and Suds. Remember, when you download it, if you could like us and spread the word, that would be wonderful. We're trying to grow hockey here in DFW as far as hockey talk, consistent hockey talk. Sean does an amazing job, and uh, Craig does an amazing job. So you're getting insight you're not finding anywhere else. So we really appreciate you listening and supporting Spits and Suds on 105.3 The Fan.